Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On the cast this week, we've got plenty to talk about. Top players not liking the current format. A couple of new cards revealed, a Regielecki and Regidrago V-Star. We'll, of course, have everyone's favorite segment, Guess That Flavor Text, and probably the main thing most people this week are listening for, we'll have our Salt Lake City meta predictions discussion, talk about what's going to go down in the Salt Lake City Regional Championships this coming weekend. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host, Azul GG. Azul, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Chip. How's it going? I'm doing better now. I actually was super sick over the week. Uh, definitely caught the pokey flu in uh, Peoria. Thankfully, it was not COVID, and I'm recovering now. But yeah, I, was, I haven't been this sick, I think, maybe, or felt this sick like, since I got COVID a while a while back. Um, but yeah, recovering, feeling better now um, over the last couple of days. So back to it uh unfortunately i've been kind of on like a content hiatus the last three gonna be four weeks um i might get one stream in tomorrow or today i guess as this is going up before salt lake city um but then looking to hit the the content grind like i always say hard when i get back from <laughs> salt lake city so i'm looking forward to like streaming and making videos again it's just yeah it was unfortunate i was looking forward to it when i got back from Peoria, but then got sick how about you chip how's it been going it's been good, man. It's been good. Uh, just had a pretty ra- lax, normal week. Um, my brother, who just moved to where I live, um, to Raleigh earlier this summer, uh, he's just kind of started picking up an interest in wanting to like start playing Pokemon, which has been kind of cool. So he and I have been uh, the last couple nights getting together, and he's been uh, trying to play some decks. He's bought some cards and stuff like that. So uh it's it's pretty interesting i kind of threw him into the deep end a little bit i think when i because the decks i had built is i had a palkia intellion deck built and i had reggie gigas and he played the palkia deck because he sat there and read through everything and i realized like on his turns that <laughs> there's just way too much for someone who barely knows the rules of the game <laughs> there's just way too much going on in that deck for someone to just pick it up and uh he's like doing all these actions every single turn but it was really cool because he's like identifying pretty smart lines for the most part it's like he read through the deck and then on his first turn he went second he played irida he's like well i'm definitely grabbing this and slammed the battle vip pass down so (laughs) he's got the standard format in a nutshell i think yes good to go he's already (laughs) uh but yeah it's been cool he's he's definitely been learning and also shout outs to denton as well because he is actually the person who uh helped me come up with whenever azul and i were coming up with names for the podcast he was the first person to throw out oh, the yeah. idea of the name Uncommon Energy. So shout outs to to Brother Denton on uh, on the, the podcast name and starting to play Pokemon. That'd be cool. Maybe we'll see him at a regionals or something later this year. Yeah, shout out to Denton for sure. <laughs> I know you and your brother, you 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 grew up playing Pokemon with your siblings, right? But my like my, my brother, yeah. he he and I played the game when we were kids. Uh we just had cards and we didn't know the rules. We like made up our own rules and stuff. It was just like slam your Charizard into play. We had like a rule where every energy you attached to it gave it ten more HP, and like just like made up stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's been cool. He's he's definitely shown a little interest in it. It would be maybe a little cooler, you know, if we were like you know teenagers or something. But you know, if we're in our twenties, it's fine, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. So before we get into this week's episode and all the topics that we mentioned, there is something a little uh, somber that we do want to talk about and bring attention to a little bit of a. 
uh, sad situation that's come up in the community. So a group of Pokemon players from West Virginia on their way home from Peoria Regionals last weekend, uh, they were actually in a bad car accident, hit by a drunk driver in a head-on car accident, and they're all in the hospital. It is definitely a pretty sad and, you know, really unfortunate and sad situation. Um, but some GoFundMes and stuff have been set up. So we just wanted to spend a little bit of time and just talk about it and mention it, use our platform to kind of provide a place where people could hear about this and maybe um, some good could come of it. So a couple of things. The first thing I saw about this was actually um, for an event that's going to be taking place at a card shop in West Virginia this weekend at Four Horsemen Comics. They tweeted out about the event coming up this weekend. So if you're not going to Salt Lake City and you live on the East Coast, this could be a great way to show a little bit of support. They're holding two tournaments, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, um, and then all their single card proceeds are going to go towards the medical expenses of these players. Um, so we wanted to bring attention to that. The players' names as well. Um, uh, we've got brothers Tiger Hickman and Mark Lafferty, and then also their friend Drake Lemansky, all injured, all in the hospital. Tiger seems to be the one from the, the GoFundMe information who was kind of, he was the driver, so he was kind of the worst off. But it seems like everyone is on the road to recovery, but it's kind of just like a long road to recovery. So there's a couple GoFundMes. We'll have all the links to that down in the description. We've donated some money as the two of us from the podcast that, you know, we wanted to just do a little bit to help where we can. And we would definitely encourage any of our listeners, if they have the means, um, please show your support to th this is like just such a great time for people from our community to come together and show, you know, the good parts of our community, right. And, and come together and try to make good of a very or make light of a very very sad and, and bad situation yeah definitely it really sucks uh to hear you know things like this happen all the time in the world um not always to able to help out but if you are able to help out um and and donate towards their gofundmes that's great if not i mean we'll have a a tweet out at some point at the very least or if you want to like that tweet, retweet that tweet with the uh, the links to everything, or if you can find any of their original tweets, which we could probably put in the description as well, like and retweet those tweets as well. So if you can't help them out, you know, with uh, any donations, you know, at the very least, if you can give it a like, give it a retweet on the uh, on the Twitter. Yeah, definitely. So, and uh, to Drake and Tiger and Mark, you know, we're thinking about you guys and we wish you the speediest of recoveries. I can't imagine, and your families as well, like I can't imagine the the hardship and stuff that's become you guys. And um, yeah, best of luck. I, I mean, it's it's tough, but you know, the Pokemon community is here for you and we support you and we, we just wish you the best in a terrible situation without a doubt. Yeah, hopefully a speedy recovery for sure. We're, we're the rest of the community is behind you guys. Absolutely. But from that, you know, we do have a bunch of stuff to talk about. We'll get into more of the 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 meat of our, you know, what the content is for our episode this week. And starting off this week was a little bit of a discussion I saw on Twitter from a couple of top players, two of the, I would say, better North American players both put out a little comments, you know, maybe hinting at dislike or distaste of the current format. Drew Kennett, who... Uh, just got top four in Baltimore a few weekends ago. We got top four last season and also won a regionals last season. Just tweeted, the more I play this format, the more it makes me want rotation. <laughs> Ian Robb, who also won a regionals last season, said, this format feels very stale very quickly. All the interesting decks in the format get beaten by Drapion V or are the insane prize trade that Sableye and 
uh, Cram can give a deck. And uh, also, I spoke to Michael Pramwatt, another great player, the winningest player in regionals history, who was, just got top 32 in uh, Peoria. He was on the winning and lost his winning and match. I was talking to him about it. I was like, are you doing Salt Lake? And he said, nope, and I'm ready to be done with this format. <laughs> so uh, is this just like a thing? Are a lot of the top players really just not enjoying this format right now, Azul? Um, I, I mean, I think the format's okay. I think... Uh, I mean, I think we've seen I've seen a little bit of both now. Um, I hadn't seen either of these tweets from Ian or Drew until you brought them up to me. Um, but uh, I have seen a lot of people enjoying the um, I guess I don't know the loss engine in general and then kind of the diversity of decks. I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost in the discussion of diversity is just if all the decks are super similar or do the same thing. Um, or are all just a bunch of weak decks that, uh, you know, have like their, it's like, if there's a ton of decks and, you know, you just beat enough of the other ton of decks, but you never really match up to like the best decks in the format, you know, you'll be able to like have a decent win rate in a format, but the decks aren't ever really actually good. If that makes sense. And I think that's kind of what we have going on here. There's just a bunch of mediocre decks and there's so many of them that it's hard to filter through them and figure out which ones are truly the best of them. And then you have kind of the best overall deck still on top, like Palkia and Teleon still kind of feels like it reigns supreme uh, at the end of the day. Um, so I think the deck, the format's okay. I don't think it's like anything that great. Initially, it definitely seemed like there was maybe um, a lot to work with and a ton going on. But I think the more I've kind of played with the format, it isn't anything super special and it almost feels like a little bit more prize racy than the last format i feel like the last format almost had like a little bit more control to it at some points um but this format definitely feels a little bit more prize racy um but i mean it's still solid a lot of new stuff and we're not that far from the new set either right it comes out next month on like the 11th so we're only like a month away from the new set so we're not too far away but the new set doesn't look like it has that much going for it either. So I don't know. We This might be Vivid Voltage all over again, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, Silver Tempest is looking very, very mediocre. Definitely feeling much more like a collector, you know, holiday set, right? You know, it's coming out right yeah. before Christmas. <laughs> um, I, I There's Lugia in the set, Alolan Vulpix, like very popular Pokemon. So that's probably where it's leaning. Um I don't know. I mean, the format to me has felt fine. I do think, obviously, Palkia and Tellian, it, it definitely just far and away still seems like the best deck. The Lost Zone engine is so unique and so different from, like, any other engine of deck from Pokemon in the past, um, where you're, like, trying to just get rid of a bunch of cards. Uh, and it's just very, very powerful. It just felt like there was going to be so much you could do with it. And I still think there could be some underexplored aspects of it. Maybe some other Lost Zone box type of decks that could be okay. Um, not relying on Sableye, but maybe more relying on Mirage Gate and a bunch of different types of attackers. Uh, I, but I think that the meta needs to be a little more defined for something like that to, to really function. Like for some... There needs to be a defined meta for there to be a really cool anti-meta deck, right? Uh, and there's just such a wide variety of different decks um but like you said it feels like so many of the decks you know there's a bunch of them but they do very similar things you take zoark and palkia you've got your v that you're trying to evolve into a v star to just chase down two prizes every single turn right um one of them does it way better than the other one <laughs> right <Yeah>. um <laughs> and then you've got like arceus gudra and arceus duraludon as these big tanky decks both of them 
for some reason, people are still playing Duraludon. It feels like Gudra's kind of just the <laughs> the one that should be taking over. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think the format is okay, but I think that a false pretense that a lot of people will have is like just because there's a lot of decks it makes the format good which is not true right just because yeah. there's a ton of different decks that could be really good doesn't mean that the format is actually you know deck diversity does not directly equate to uh, a good format necessarily yeah but i would definitely say enjoy the variety when we have it even if the format overall doesn't feel great because we could go back to naic where it was three decks and yes. that felt like like pretty bad overall as a meta goes of course winning it you know i did win it which is felt great <laughs> but as far as a format goes i would definitely prefer this to naic format for I sure do. um so there definitely is times where like diversity despite it not being a great format is fine and actually i think that's maybe the problem with this format i feel like there's too much diversity i feel like this and maybe that has to do with how big regionals are and maybe the pokemon because it's interesting because like magic tournaments are so much bigger like magic regionals are so much bigger than Pokemon regionals. They get like, I think, 1,600, 2,000 people. So I'd be curious to see what their meta kind of, their meta breakdown looks like um, as far as like what percentage of, of decks are played. Because I feel like maybe one of the problems with this format is that the format is not more narrow. So you can't, it's really hard to like meta call in this meta. There's so many decks to account for. And that's why I think stuff like, uh, actually like, Paul Cantelion and Giratina kind of reign supreme because they don't really have any terrible matchups, right? So it feels like if the meta was just more narrow, you could make meta calls and the meta could kind of evolve. But instead, it's just like pick your favorite deck and maybe tech for a couple of the matchups that are kind of swinging towards being the most popular or like the new hype decks. Like Blissey has kind of been like the new hype deck recently. Like, and then it's really hard to like make a, a good like kind of meta prediction. You kind of just, it's just like nothing to predict. It's just like, there are so many decks. Um, and maybe it's just because, maybe that is just because the Pokemon community is kind of new to the idea of regionals being so big, or maybe it just is kind of like the meta with like, we, there is that many decks that are like decent, right? There's that many decent decks right now. And people are kind of hanging on to playing a more mediocre play just because it is their favorite deck. And instead of trying to, you know, play that better play, I don't know. Maybe or maybe it is just like there's just that many decks that are that are just good enough to be played and you know people want to play what they want to play, which is reasonable as well, of course. But yeah, the meta does not I agree. I don't think the meta feels great. It feels I don't even know how I'm like saying a bunch of things that I don't think describe <laughs> my feelings very well. But yeah, the meta doesn't in the end of the day, the meta doesn't feel great, but I think definitely enjoy the diversity while we have it, because it's definitely worse when there's a lack of it. Yeah, I and mean, I guess the big worry is just that, like you mentioned, <laughs> that the new set that comes out a month from today when this podcast comes out <laughs> just doesn't really shake things up. And it doesn't seem like it's going to. We're going to talk about a couple of the cards coming out in this next set uh, here shortly. And they seem very okay. I think Reggie Drago is probably the best new archetype potentially to come out, and I think it seems very okay. I don't think Lugia seems great. Uh, Vulpix doesn't seem great either. Like, Vulpix, you know, you can maybe do some stuff with it, but once again, just not great. Uh, and we had this situation come up uh, after Darkness Ablaze. There was a pretty big shakeup in the meta. You know, Eternatus was very solid and definitely fit into that tag team meta, you know, pretty nicely and, like, became a, P like a solid Tier 2 deck, right? Uh, then... Vivid Voltage comes out. Colossal is kind of the big new deck. And then we've got VMAX Pikachu as well. 
neither of these two decks were very good, never really did too much. And after about two weeks of the new set being out, people kind of put them to the side and it was the exact same format. And so we ended yeah. up having, <laughs> instead of getting a whole new set, bringing a bunch to the format every three months, which is, I think, something that keeps the Pokemon TCG very fresh and enjoyable, we had six months of the same format. And I'm hoping that we don't experience that through the end of the year, though we are, I think, supposed to get a mini set in January. So through these like two month set releases, it feels like maybe it's not going to be quite as bad as it was, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll get that mini set before. Hopefully we get a big shakeup with like the EXs returning in February, March. I don't even know. Sometime like that, I guess. Um, yeah, I think maybe one of the like the bigger another thing that like I guess isn't talked about too much with the format in general is kind of like the way that the game feels as far as tempo of the games feel like i feel like sometimes we get a new set release when either maybe it's around a specific card like a big one i think would have been reset stamp when we got reset stamp i feel like that really shifted up the tempo of the game a little bit and like offered some comeback mechanic roxanne didn't really do that quite as much because it's not as splashable of a card as something like an enter reset stamp but it pretty much fits I feel in like, like the... one engine right like you can pretty yeah. much only play roxanne <clears throat> if you're playing intellion already in your deck yeah, I feel like the tempo of the game hasn't switched up in a while. Because even like you talked about, you know, Pram was like not enjoying the format. And the list, the Giratina list he played, like he was on the win-in. And the Giratina list he played, played no hand disruption and no way to remove a stadium. So like yeah. they were, he was hoping that path wouldn't stick. Uh, they wouldn't get a path early. And he was like, well, I just want to be as consistent as I can about taking knockouts with my specific different Pokemon, right? So it was like, um, yeah, the tempo of the game feels like it's maybe, it's kind of been similar for a while. We are getting some more one-prizers which is nice and obviously shifts some stuff up and makes some other decks have to account for that differently. But yeah, overall, it feels like we've kind of been, and hopefully, e and I think we will have to wait until EXs. I think that yeah. is going to be the big shift for the game, or that's what we hope for. Sounds like that's what they want to do, and we'll hopefully they, they pull it off, right? So they will have to just kind of hold out for you know, four more months of maybe the same format, but just well, hold but out. Well, then the issue becomes we're going to get these new it's EXs, coming. and it's like, are they even going to be that good right away because the V-Star still exists? It's almost like, you know, for the game, it takes a long time. Might take two a, rotations. A rotation like this to to get, like, the rotation format that they have set in place. It takes a long time to get to the point of, you know, uh, implementing new strategies or, like, new overall core game ideas and... ideas yeah game theories right because yeah. you've got the old ideas that were not good still stuck in the game yeah. for for a few <laughs> for a little while um jd dealings <clears throat> yeah which you know should be rotating at the 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 start of the year so we'll see how that mixes things up it's just gonna be palkia bibaril will be the number one deck probably let's go <laughs> tord was ahead of the game whenever he played palkia bibaril in uh he just played just played a bad palkia deck just to see how good it would <laughs> he's still just be getting ready for the he's getting ready for the future man he's playing pre yeah, he's testing yeah. yeah he's testing for the new the new format already one step ahead well, moving on from uh, that, we will talk about. Unless you have, do you have anything else to say? No, I was just saying, let's get into the, let's get into some of these cards. Let's get into them. Go ahead. Yeah. So new cards. These actually got the translations came out the night before Salt Lake City, so we're a little behind, I guess, in getting talking about the the new Reggie Alecki V Max or V Star and the Reggie Drago V Star. Um, but they I'm will. I'm gonna be... mention. I couldn't find. Uh, I also want to kind of mention the Lugia. But I can't find a translation for it. Did we talk uh, about the Lugia when it came out? Did we? I thought did we, we did. mentioned the Lugia. We maybe did. You might be right. I don't I remember. Okay. Well, the Lugia is cool too. I think that's also a pretty cool one. Thing is, just okay. know that. Yeah. All right, Drago and Lecky. Let's get into them. Go ahead. Yeah. So 
these translations, as always, coming from Tuan Lei, who is our go-to translator over on Twitter. We'll start with the Reggie Alecki, uh, starting with the V here. It's got the Switch Bolt attack for a Lightning. It deals 30 damage. Switch this Pokemon with one of your benched Pokemon. Pretty decent attack on an Evolving Basic. Same attack pretty much as Hisuian Zoark V-Star, or Hisuian Zoark V, though this does require an energy. Um... Zorks can be used for free. And it's got the lightning wall attack as well for a lightning and two colorless, 100 damage. During your opponent's next turn, this Pokemon takes 100 less damage from attacks. Also an okay attack. Not amazing. The Regieleki VMAX has the ability Transistor. Your lightning type basic Pokemon's attacks do 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon. And it doesn't say you can only use one Transistor ability, so it does theoretically stack. And then the max rumbling attack for a lightning and two colorless deals 220 damage. And this Pokemon can't attack during your next turn. Also, I said it was a V-Star. It is actually a V-Max. <laughs> yeah, V-Max. It has free retreat, too. With finally, a Lecky with free retreat. Yes, the uh, fastest Pokemon <laughs> in the video games. Yeah. <laughs> Always has two retreat, three retreat for some reason. We finally get Reggie one players. retreat. Yeah. Reggie players are so mad right now. <laughs> Myself included. Like, why? Lucky having free retreat in the Reggie deck would be just so sick. It'd be insane. Um, but yeah, instead it has two retreat. And bad Lucky has three retreat, so you know why it's bad. Um, but this one's interesting. The the ability just doing 30 to your basic Pokemon, your basic Pokemon do 30 more to your opponent's active. It feels like it's built for Vika Vault. Like, what else would you even play this with, right? Hit and, and then it run feels... more Peko, bro. <laughs> more Peko. And then me. it feels bad. Because its attack is also only 220 damage for a lightning double colorless. Like, that just feels so low. It feels like this is like, you could only play this with Vika Vault. Maybe someone else has come up with something else. But I feel like you, this is, you're only playing this thing with Vika Vault. Maybe some kind of Flaffy Box. Um, but I don't know which basic lightning, like, one prize Pokemon is dying for plus 30 damage to put a VMAX on your bench. So, doesn't seem great. Um, I don't know. Do you have any? Have you had any more an epiphany with this card yet? Have you, <laughs> not have you broken yet, it? But maybe it'll it'll happen <laughs> at some point. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, this card just seems very okay. It's awkward that the ability doesn't boost itself. It's its own damage yeah. output. I feel like they could have made it boost its own damage output and then you know just decrease the amount of damage that its attack does. Though maybe there's some other lightning Pokemon out there that's a, a V Star or a V Max that didn't Max. want to 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 boost too much. Like I don't know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, lightning is always one of the stronger types. There is a ton of lightning support. Obviously, Speed Lightning Energy, one of the best energy cards in the game. Um, Laffy. You've got Flaffy as Dynamotor. Um, there's even other cards in the format that I think people forget about as well, like the Electrode that can blow up and put energies on your guys. Like, There's just so many different, even though that card's not great, obviously, uh, there's just so many different things that support Lightning Pokemon in the format that it's always you know worth looking at and thinking about uh, whenever a good Lightning po or a, a new Lightning Pokemon comes out. But yeah, this one just doesn't feel like amazing. Yeah, it does not seem great, but one that actually might be pretty... I don't know, Chip seemed less enthusiastic about this, but Chip was hyping up a Sunyan Zorark, so that's got to mean something good <laughs> for the Reggie Drago V-Star. The hey, V has a Celestial... Zorark got top eight, bro. Come on. That's it all did get top eight. Continue on, <laughs> sir. Reggie Drago V, Celestial Roar for a colorless. Discard the top three cards of your deck. Attach any energy you discard this way to this Pokemon. We used to have that on Rayquaza V, I think. Rayquaza V had Rayquaza that. Oh, Rayquaza EX. EX, yes, yes. yes. 
Um, and then it's got Grass Grass Colorless for the Dragon Laser 130 and does 30 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon. So nothing great. You usually, you probably, like, just like uh, Rayquaza EX, you probably won't be using Celestial Roar on this card either. You never really want to use that on Rayquaza. Sometimes you'd risk it if you had, like, a really slow start. But uh, it's really all about the V-Star for uh, Grass Grass Colorless. It's got 200 HP. Grass Grass Colorless. Iconic Visions, I think I got that right. Choose an attack from a dragon type Pokemon in your discard and use it as this attack. So Grass Grass Colorless or Grass Grass Fire. Did I say colorless? I think I said colorless. Grass you Grass did, Fire. Yeah. Grass Grass Fire. Yeah, Grass Grass Fire. I think Gardenia, finally. And this is kind of a little bit reminiscent of Mewtwo, Welder Mewtwo. You know, you weld it to your Mewtwo. You use a bunch of attacks from your discard pile from your GX Pokemon. Now we got this V-Star uh reggie drago you're gonna probably gardenia to it to set it up to attack with grass grass fire how else are you getting to that energy count uh gardenia has been waiting for this thing to release and then you copy any dragon attack from your discard pile so not any v v uh, attack but any dragons attack and then it has the ability star legacy you may use this ability once your turn discard the top seven cards of your deck and then put two cards from your discard pile into your hand so not from those seven cards just anything from your discard pile into your hand so pretty strong aggressive ability it is the V-Star power, so you only get to it use is the power. one per game. But yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely a very I mean, solid... I don't think you'd want to use that. <laughs> like, if you could want to use that twice, like, it's a very aggressive... Any two cards is good, but discarding seven cards is a lot. So, very aggressive ability. But uh, I think this one's got some potential. I don't know, I'd have to read all the Dragon Pokemon, but... You weren't as hype on it, were you, Chip? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's very high maintenance, like, comparatively to Mewtwo. Um, Mewtwo's a basic. That's kind of just the biggest thing. You also had Viridian yep. as a very easy way to go search out your energy and also discard your Pokemon. We've got Reinhardt. Training Court, which is okay. Um, But, I, I mean, I do think that this card is decent. I, I think, obviously, it's made um good by the other dragon pokemon in the format um so i mean i've seen people talk about uh flygon a v as a way to just one hit ko pokemon v max you know do 160 plus 160 um, oh yeah garchomp v as well is a, a good attack right for because it's attack sonic strike for a water two fighting and a colorless discard three energy from this pokemon this attack does 220 damage to one of your opponent's pokemon like that's an attack cost you're never going to power up but you could power up reggie drago much more reasonably yeah. um especially looking a lot more similar to this is looking a lot more similar to mewtwo and there's also <laughs> the i think there's a dragonite that accelerates three energy from yes. your deck so like turbo strike but the turbo strike's a little bit better because it comes from the discard pile but you know you got naganadel is the <laughs> the guard shop you got Makarga or the the Flare Blitz is the the other one you just mentioned, and now you got the and there's like the Dragonite I think the Stage Two Dragonite excels three energy from your deck to your oh, Pokemon yes. in play, so this is pretty close. It's pretty close. Oh yeah, Dragonite in the new set. Yeah, I couldn't find it on PKM cards because it's not yeah. out yet. But yeah, it's actually funny to think about. Like we always bring up Power Creep, but this is definitely a worse Mewtwo deck. It's not as good as Mewtwo. But it might be good enough in this format, to be honest. It's almost like a balancing, right? Like, it's like, this is similar to Mewtwo, but they've uh, made it... Mewtwo was, like, pretty top tier, right? It's like, they yeah. want to... They they were like, okay, the Mewtwo deck was good. Let's give them worse Mewtwo so it can be a fun little tier three deck. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like <laughs> Whoa, this is. Whoa, I think it could be... I think this might be competitive, Joe. I think you're hated. You also have Gudra for a tank attack. 
for 200 as another option reduce the damage it'll be fun for sure that's for sure it'll definitely be fun a decent amount of options it seems like i don't know if we get anything we don't know if we get fully in the new set so there might be some and there's like probably some stage one stage two dragons out there that people haven't might not have looked over yet and just might have some cool interactions as well for like certain matchups or anything like that yeah definitely i mean there's plenty of dragon cards to look at from i mean giratina v star as well can't forget that <laughs> yeah of course uh that's an option Maybe. and i guess could you you could use a v star power attack as well for the attack you just it would have to be your v star power for game right yeah so like you could you're lost you, owning 10 cards and then discarding your top seven though. good point <laughs> never mind <laughs> oh no you wouldn't use that i guess i guess you wouldn't use that so no yeah you'd have to you'd have to it'd have to be a loss zone engine then at that point yeah and uh, gates are pretty good gates with garchomp 220 to the snipe snipe on the bench that actually that attack is really scary like imagine you go yes garchomp you go first solid. you attach it and your opponent goes second attaches to their arceus on their bench and passes and you just do 220 to it on the next turn i mean um, there's the dragonite v as well which just does 250 damage for uh water water lightning like 250 plus a choice belt <laughs> yeah that's actually this is 280 that might be a little bit cleaner than the tina and you could build up to Rayquaza. i guess you're not really getting that many fire energies on this thing so i don't know is there any like weird stage ones right now kind of like cricket that just like boost dragon stats do we have any of those right now um, the damage or the unless HP something's or anything? coming out in the next set no okay no like well, uh, i'm hyped for the yeah i'm hyped for the drago for sure it'll be it'll be cool yeah, it might fall. It might fall to tier three, but I have a little bit more hope for it. I think uh, overall. I mean, just having that many options is always like such a big deal. That's one of the things that made Mewtwo so good is it had so many options, right? Ooh, Rapid Strike Zygarde from Evolving Skies. It's a hall. It's like just a regular Zygarde. Judgment Surge. This attack does forty damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon for each prize card your opponent has taken. That's not bad. Oh yeah, I actually played that in a Cherum a Cherum deck at some point. I forget which one it was, but <laughs> oh, good old Cherum. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need to do is you need to think back to all the random bad dragons that you played with the Reggie Drago <laughs> in your charm deck and <laughs> yeah. bust them out for this. But yeah, I mean, definitely <laughs> seems interesting. And these are cards that will be coming out in Silver Tempest. I'm pretty sure because they are featured on the pack art. So they should be coming out in Silver Tempest. So we'll get to mess around with them and maybe it'll shake up the meta. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Vivid Voltage I hope all over so. again. <laughs> It's looking like Vivid Voltage. But yeah, I think at least maybe we'll get the Reggie Drago. Did we get anything from Vivid Voltage? Like, people tried to force Colossal hard. Uh, the um, best card in Vivid Voltage just started being played with this new set. Can you get what it is? This is like mini Guess That Flavor Text. Uh, With the new set? Yeah. So it was played in a deck at Peoria? Yes. As like a primary attacker? It's not a Pokemon. Oh my, I have no clue then. What is Wash it? Wash Energy! <laughs> 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 the best card from vivid voltage now i like want to look up like a set list and actually look at a vivid voltage set list <laughs> that's maybe for another time but <laughs> yeah that's like yeah that actually might be it to be honest yeah I and mean, people tried to force colossal that's like the only thing i can really remember is like people really tried to make colossal work but also the what's it called from last week the uh um the mighty and our poochie and our whatever from two weeks ago that you got me with was from vivid voltage on guess no the it was Dex. it was that's true uh, I guess oh, the best shoot. card maybe would actually be Leon is probably the best card from the oh, set. Okay. Yeah, there you and go. And there's a couple other oh. decent ones that um, have Easy been played. You know, uh, Telescopic Sight has been played, right? Um, yeah. But overall, I mean, it's a pretty... I mean, as far as, like, new archetypes, there's nothing in Vivid Voltage. Yeah, yeah nothing quite was uh, ever to come. Yeah, a couple cool tech cards. It was like a tech set. 
That's oh, we got Snorlax. All right, Snorlax was the best card from Viv- Gormandai. Okay, Snorlax, sure, 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 we sure. got him. But yeah, nothing, nothing like, I guess, uh, like control decks were built around Gormandai's. But yeah, nothing really huge and and groundbreaking. So hopefully, this is not a repeat repeat of Vivid Voltage, but it definitely looks like one for sure. Besides these, like there's the Lugia, like we mentioned, but none of those seem like they like none of them, especially like the Lugia, doesn't seem like it like outpaces Palkia by any means. So that's kind of like the standard for hit hit hard multiple turns in a row decks is like if you can keep if you have some way to like cheese out palky or keep up with palky then you can you're good but if you don't then you're just you may as well just play palky right so yeah. hopefully hopefully but uh we don't have the full set 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 list yet so but we will be talking about it on the podcast once the set list comes out we'll of course also be talking about it as we start testing for it and playing the new set uh silver tempest will be legal for laic which is we'll be attending so uh, I'm sure he'll be doing plenty of testing around it, so we'll get some good thoughts on what is good, what is not, and uh, why he's probably just going to play Palkia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> As well, I don't think is actually... You have not I, played Palkia not, to a tournament, right? Like, oh, Gotten close a couple times, but never actually committed to it. Although I would definitely feel like I'd be more comfortable wanting to play it in the current landscape of the of the meta, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it. We'll talk about Silver Tempest again in the future. Let's move on to guess that flavor text. It is my turn this week to pick a flavor text for Pokemon to try for chip for Pokemon for chip to try and guess the Pokemon that uh, goes with that flavor text. Um, as always, if uh, chip guesses it without using any lifelines, it's four points for each lifeline used minus one point. And the three lifelines are what set the card is from what stage the card is and read an attack name from the card chip are you ready for the flavor text i'm so ready big points this week baby i'm feeling it (laughs) all right even if one of its arms is eaten it's fine the pokemon regenerates quickly and will go right back to normal okay um i'm thinking of like squid or octopus type pokemon because that's like in real life what would happen so like tentacool tentacruel shuckle maybe probably not shuckle shuckle's like a bug and rock type so that's not not it um bug that's a turtle yeah no shuckle is a bug type pokemon bro (laughs) really (laughs) yes that's why why did you think shuckle was grass type in the tcg because it's a turtle (laughs) like that's reasonable so it's a grass type her twig is yeah but it's i don't know it's a bug <laughs> which make, doesn't make any sense to be fair <laughs> her twig a bug type? um what else malamar or inke potentially uh could be a, a squid pokemon that this could fit um i do think i will probably have to use some lifelines here i'm gonna start with what set the card is from all right i just have to look let me just confirm i th- i just looked this up because i wasn't sure um <clears throat> let me just take one second here and make sure i get the set right yep. don't want to give any false information all i have is the symbol yeah it is uh legendary treasures okay so no malamar didn't exist yet um, and i was given this uh i was given this uh flavor text by a, a friend and a, a fan of the podcast so read it to i had me a little help time. in coming up with this one even if one of its arms is eaten it's fine. The Pokemon regenerates quickly and will go right back to normal. And uh, yeah, legendary treasures is the set. 
I don't think so. That's a reprint set. There definitely was not like a good Tentacool or Tentacruel at any point through. Uh, is there one in the Radiant Collection though? Part of me wants to think there is a Tentacruel in the Radiant Collection of Legendary Treasures. Um, okay, I'm gonna need some more help here though. Let's let's do what stage the card is. It is stage one. Tentacruel, seeming like it. All right, let's do read an attack name. Uh, bind down. Bind down? Yeah. Okay, it's definitely Tentacruel. I'm locking it in. Tentacruel? No. Come on, bro. It, it knows bind. That Pokemon knows bind in the video games. It is Tangrowth. Tangrowth? Yeah, so if you eat a Tangrowth arm, it will regenerate it. It's literally an infinite food supply right there. Get yourself a Tangrowth. I don't think there's a Tentacruel in Legendary I don't think so either. I mean, who would know that? Why would you know if there's a Tangrowth? Bro, who would know that there's a Tangrowth in Legendary Treasures? Yeah, so the other attack name is Flog. So I was going to go with Flog until you were on the Tentacool Tentagrowth train. Oh, you baited me with the bind. And I was like, that's, I don't know, Squid's bind down. I was like, all right, I'll give him the bind down instead. I was going to go with the Flog. I don't know. Where would you have gone if I had said Flog, though? Would you have still stuck it out? I don't know. That's a great question. Where do you go? Where do you go when you hear flog? There was no tentacruel. There was no tentacruel printed at all during the black white era. That's kind of crazy. That is not really. No one likes that Pokemon. Bro, tentacruel sick. Flog sounds like such an old timey word. Like I feel like that's not a word anymore. Like no one no one says flog, right? That's not like a thing. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> flog. Yeah. That's a that's I don't a know. word from the past. I did not get it right this week. Let us know if you were <laughs> able to guess Tangrowth correctly this week down in the comments of the YouTube video. I think Azul and I still remain tied at like four points apiece or something <laughs> pitiful. Yeah. So, you know, this is episode 30, by the way, Azul. Episode 30. 30. My gosh. So many potential for so many points. I guess we didn't start doing the four point thing to a little ways in, but it was still. like episode 10, bro. It's been a while. Yeah. Ugh. That is that is that's bad to be. I guess we'll. Is it I think we had to start doing the point Pokemon? thing as well because we got to episode ten and neither of us had any points. <laughs> yeah, so we had to be like, all right, we got to make it yes easier. We got to like some hints, but I think that does make it more entertaining. That's more enjoyable for sure. But yeah, we're definitely struggling. I guess eventually we'd run out of Pokemon. I don't know. What, what do you think will happen? We'll end the podcast. Or we'll run out of Pokemon. Well, but first. See, we probably... some, po some Pokemon have multiple flavor texts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess run out of flavor text. Also, there's just no way that we're ever going to do, like, by the time, there's like 900 something oh, Pokemon that Pokemon. exist. Nine, do you know how long, like, what is 900? <laughs> 900 divided by 52 is 17 years of the podcast. <laughs> well, some of them are, like, unusable. Like, I've, I looked at Zapdos once. First off, every Zapdos has the exact same flavor text, I think. Um, and then it just like you would just give it away immediately. Like some of them are like unusable, like not because like even if it has the Pokemon's name in it, we'll just kind of blank that out when right, we read right. it. But like just reading it doesn't even have Zapdos in the in the in the what's it called? But it just gives it away immediately. I think it's Zapdos. This Pokemon um, has complete control over electricity. There are tales of blank nesting in the dark depths of pitch black thunderclouds. Oh, no, it wasn't Zapdos. then. it was like even more of a giveaway. I don't know which one it was now, but That's it was it was Zapdos. It, so maybe. It was one of the legendary. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe it is an older one. A legendary Pokemon that is said to live in thunder clouds. It freely yeah, yeah. controls lightning bolts. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's the one. That's, that's the probably one. That though, so. <laughs> yeah. Take a guess. <laughs> well, I think that uh, you know we'll move on from guess that flavor text. Let us know 
if you're better than us, you definitely are because we're terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move on to our Salt Lake City meta discussion, talk, forecast, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, Salt Lake City Regionals is this coming weekend. It's going to be the exact same format as the tournament from just a couple weeks ago. Also, uh, Lil Regionals, I think, is the next weekend after that in France. So definitely plenty to discuss. Yeah, actually, that's like meta, a... Uh, lots of different decks like we mentioned earlier. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm actually kind of excited to see what comes out of Lil because like, that's like a whole other part. Have they, had, they haven't had any tournaments in this format, right? No. There's so many, there's so many great players and stuff over there that you know just haven't been able to use their pokey brains to like come up with stuff yet so who knows there could be a lot of cool stuff that is out there um hopefully i'm hoping because if this if this format's going to be four months long four months longer um five months longer i'm hoping for some some new stuff to work with so um yeah we'll see i'm very excited actually i didn't even like think about that, that there is one more tournament in this uh in yeah. this format so that's actually i'm kind of excited for that now I didn't even think about it. Yeah. And also uh, Warsaw regionals in Poland will also be in this format because it'll be the weekend after Silver Tempest comes out, but it won't be legal for tournaments. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, we've got a couple over there. All right, cool, cool. That's definitely cool. Um, but yeah, let's start off with the, I mean, I guess the big thing with Lost Origins, right? Lost Zone decks. Do you have a favorite of the Lost Zone decks, Chip? Um, I think... I got three, right? Yeah. Well, so there's like the Sableye deck, obviously, that toured one with, and then there's Giratina, uh, but one I've really kind of been enjoying recently that I've played a little bit is the Mirage Gate without Giratina build um, that utilizes some other tech attackers like Regigigas. It's heavy on the Snorlax. Um, and I think quietly Snorlax is becoming one of the like better cards from the set almost, it feels like, in those decks that can support it. You know, I think you obviously have to support it with Mirage Gate. Um, yeah. But Snorlax is just so good, especially against the deck that just won the last regionals. Like, if you just turn one, go first, uh, I think usually you want to choose to go second if you know you're playing against a Lost Box deck in the mirror. But, um, you know, say your opponent goes second, choose to go second. You just attach an energy to Snorlax. Next turn, that thing's doing 180, and they can't really deal with it. They can do 110 to it with Cramorant. Um, they can't do anything to it with Sableye. So, I mean, Snorlax is, I think, just kind of quickly becoming very, very solid. Yeah, Snorlax is actually, like, it's actually kind of crazy, yeah. And I actually, um, bringing up Pram again, Pram's list had the double Snorlax in there for yes. that matchup. To be able to set up the double Snorlax board state at some point, or, like, two Snorlaxes and other things that can't be KO'd by Sableye, like the like the Greninja if they don't play the Goon or can't find the Goon or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you could set up that awkward board state for the Sablezard deck to deal with um but yeah it's so weird the deck is the card is so bad but it's like so good you know <laughs> it like combos really nicely with cram because it, it feels really bad when you like hit a v or a v star with cram you're like haha like that damage is irrelevant but then like snorlax like kind of helps put it all together right also, so you're not three hit going a palkia snorlax belt goon that's 220 damage that is 220 if you, damage. you have to be playing belt yeah yeah but i think like if you're playing like a mirage gate bot like if you're playing the mirage yeah. gate box version of the deck with the heavy twin energies with the reggie gigas um which i think won like the big one of the late night tournaments recently this version of the yeah. deck that i'm talking about um you know you're playing choice belt anyway you, if you just go first against any v or v star deck it's not unreasonable to with all your comfy digs to go boss's orders ko on turn two uh, and take two prizes yeah that's yeah, not impossible yeah jeremy gibson won with a 
I'm gonna pull it up. Well, I just call, I usually call them just like Lost Gate decks. The one with the Lost, Lost Gate, Gate with the Gigas, yeah. and had Radiant Zard over uh, Greninja, which is uh, interesting to see. The like, usually you got the Greninja in here for some kind of draw power. So I feel like like overall, I would definitely say I feel like this list is probably lacking a little bit on the draw power. But if it's enough to get there, get your attacker set up, and that's all you really need, right? So uh, yeah, got the Gigas, some Snorlax, uh, the SQ in there, and I think they did play against. Uh, a blissey in the finals so the sq probably came in pretty handy yeah in the end. <laughs> yeah they actually lost to a blissey it looks like in swiss as well but they they played what one two three four five four blissey throughout the tournament went three and one versus Jeez, it. farm in the blissey <laughs> <laughs> let's see did the one they lose to did it play tornadus nope nor tornadus they must have prized sq ice ice cube um ice must have prized that game yeah and uh, Jeremy Gibson, actually, just like kind of a shout to them, you know, pretty big, I feel like, innovator in Pokemon as of like, they were also like one of the first people to play Radiant Charizard and Teleon with the four cross switchers. They were playing that before Worlds for quite a while. So, um, yeah, just shout out to shout out to Jeremy. But yeah, I mean, I think this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like the Lost Zone yeah. engine. There's just like so many different things you can do with it. Like we've got this with the Snorlax, the Cramorant, and this is probably still like going to be the best way. I do think Radiant Zard is pretty good in this version of the deck as well, though, just because um, just having something that can do a lot of damage in the late game is solid. I mean, especially against any of the V Star Pokemon or whatever, um, being able to do 280 with Choice Belt for one energy, very solid. So. Greninja's yeah, consistency this... is pretty strong, obviously, and Greninja plus Mirage Gate plays are pretty wild, but... Yeah, this list can, like, combustion blast four turns in a row with yeah. Double Rod, Clara, Raihan, Raihan, Magma Basin. <laughs> you can literally, like, your opponent draws two prize cards, and you're just like, combustion blast, combustion blast, combustion blast. Like, you could Sableye once, set all the V Pokemon up, and then just blast to the uh, to the end of the game. So this <laughs> you is... realize there was two ordinary rods. Th this is my favorite way to play Lost Box right now, or the Lost Zone engine. Um, yeah. I've changed up this list a bit. Like, I mean, I don't think Rose Tower makes much sense in this deck, to be honest. Um, I don't see how you're ever getting your hand down low enough to really utilize it. Um, I do think the Magma Basin is actually pretty good. You want some sort of counter stadium, and it's just a way to get an extra energy in play. Um... I've messed around with a couple things. I've put uh, a bunch of other different energies in here with Amazing Rare Evil Tall <laughs> to answer Gudra. Um, one of my students was playing this deck, and he was playing it with just Mill Tank, you know, just one Mill Tank to beat Gudra, um, which just kind of becomes like a stalling war. It's kind of silly how <laughs> if Gudra doesn't play an answer, it's just kind of, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, who has less cards in their deck at that point? I mean, right. I feel like if you could just Charizard that many turns in a row, though, that might just be your answer to Gudra. Just like Charizard four times in a row or yeah. play for that. Just Hope do it, that much happens. damage as much as possible. But yeah. Um, but yeah, what about you as a lost box decks or lost zone engine decks? Which which one are you kind of leaning towards personally? Uh, so I do think Sable's Art is the most powerful deck in the format, if that makes sense. But it's not the best overall deck because i feel like it does have its it's much more counterable um so i feel like it's the most powerful deck in the format but not to the point that it's it's not the next mew it's not the next palkia right which is we're, we're thank i think everyone is thankful of that we don't need another ridiculous deck in the format um the lost gate um is uh the most versatile and then i think you have tina which i think like for me I feel like like Palkia and Talion is what I consider to be the best deck in the format, but because it, it's like so versatile and can't be countered, Tina can be a little bit more countered. Um, 
and I feel like Tina, kind of similar to Paul Cantelion, doesn't really have a bad matchup. And you do have a decent amount of room to kind of switch up the list for certain matchups. Um, and unlike Palkia, can handle some more of the fringe matchups better, stuff like Blissey, stuff like Duraludon, uh, Arceus. So I feel like if you're if you don't think people are gonna be playing counters, you play Sablezard. Um, and if not, then you you go with Tina if you want to be able to beat everything, or if you play the you play the, the the Mirage Gate build if you're trying to beat certain things. Um, if you're trying to like pick on certain decks in the format and like add certain tech cards for certain situations, then you play the the Mirage Gate build. So it kind of comes down to what you want to do. If you just want to play the best deck and hope they're not teching for it, you play the Zablezard. If you want to be able to beat everything, you play Tina. And if you want to be able to tech for certain matchups and kind of prioritize what you want to beat, then you play the Mirage Gate build. Um, so I'll ask this as well. Which in Peoria, looking at the meta analysis comfy giratina was the second most played deck yep. and comfy sableye radiant charizard was the fifth most played deck would you expect that to be similar or will towards win in peoria propel people to lean more towards the comfy sableye radiant zard so that's actually i've i had like a lot of people ask me that question like what i think the meta is going to look like and i actually think for some reason i actually have like come up with like a, a like a definition for this it's like there is certain decks in the in Pokemon that people are intimidated by, and that's why those decks are not played heavily, even when they're tier one or like really really good slash broken decks. Uh, I think a good example of that is like Mewtwo V Union. Um, is like that is an intimidating deck to want to pick up and actually play. And I didn't think this myself personally. Um, this was kind of made me come up with this like theory behind intimidating decks. But I think people look at Sablezard as an intimidating deck to pick up and play. It's tough. Um, it, it's kind of hard. It's pretty hard to play. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's as hard as something like a UTV Union though, or like sure. control decks in the past, where it's like, oh, this is definitely a tier one control deck. I don't want to pick that up and try and learn how to play that, right? So I think people are. It's like kind but of. You just have to make so many tough decisions with that deck every single game. Like it definitely that, is I, a is a high strain on your your brain power. I feel like. I guess so. I feel like when I've ran through it a couple times, like some of the things just become once you do your first search for the turn and know your prize cards, something like you just you create a priority list, right? And when you see Clara plus psychic energy, depending on how many psychic energy are in the loss owner and the prize cards, you pick one over the other, right? Like there's just like a priority list in the early game. And then as you get towards the mid late mid game late game, you just know what you need to have to win the game at that point. So I mean, maybe it's just, you know, I've been playing the game a lot longer than people, obviously. So I have that experience with me, but I definitely think it's like it feels like it shouldn't be that kind of of an intimidating deck to want to pick up and play, but it does feel like it falls into that. So I actually don't think it's going to be super popular. I think the Mirage Gate decks will see an uptick in play, and I don't think there's even a number. Is there a number for how many Mirage Gate decks were played at like non Tina Mirage Gate? Was that Peoria? I couldn't. I, I didn't find so. one when I looked at it. No. So I don't even know where that falls because I'm pretty sure Sablezard. The, the number probably, you saw there is just Sablezard. Yeah, I don't see anything like that. Um... I think Tina will be like top three. Oh, there is other again. comfy slash Cramorant, which would okay. maybe it would maybe fall under there. And that was 19 players out of 1,084. Only, yeah. So only actually, that's pretty small. I that can't be right then. I feel like that's too small. That was more Mirage Gate than that, I think, at the tournament. Uh, I think most like of it was people, just in Giratina. <laughs> yeah. As I was to say, a lot of people did end up on Tina as their loss of yeah. deck of choice, which I think will maintain. And like I said, it kind of so makes sense. You still the, think Giratina will be relatively popular? Yeah, it'll probably be in the top three because it can kind of beat anything, which is like a pretty good draw to want to play a deck, right? Sure. Um, I don't think that's always the correct approach to take, but in this wide open of a meta, being able to beat anything seems pretty good. I don't know. So 
uh, yeah, I think it'll probably be top three most played. So and I bet those are the kind of my like, I don't really have a favorite. That's just how I look at each of them individually. And I don't think uh, you should really be looking at Sable's art as that intimidating of a deck to play. Pick it up, try it out. If you really can't get the hang of it, you know, before Salt Lake City or whatever tournament you're going to go to, you know, put it back down, but definitely give it a try. Don't don't look at it and not give it that give it that shot. So is Palkia Intellian the clear BDIF? There were three in top eight of the last regionals. It was the fourth most played deck at Peoria, but very highly performed, uh, obviously getting second oh. place. And Cal did dead draw in the finals pretty much in both games. He obviously <laughs> he got donked in game two, and he barely set up in game one and still had a path to win in game one as well, by the way, uh, yeah. without bar- without ever putting a Sobble in play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is. Like, I think... Um, I, like I said, I think Sable Zard is the most powerful deck, but has its counters, whereas I think Palkia Intellion literally does not have any counters. Uh, and the one counter it did have in Arceus Pikachu is, like, unplayable with how wide open this meta is, right? I don't think you can really bring, like, Arceus Flying Pikachu to a tournament right now. So unless you come up with something else, there's just no real easy way to hard counter Palkia Intellion. Um, whereas, like, you can, like, there are, like, you know, ways you can, uh, you know, learn to play the matchup against Sablezard or just, like, tech your deck out, the double Snorlax stuff and Lost Box decks and stuff like that, where you can gain an edge against Sablezard, where you can't really gain that edge against Palkia and Teleon. So I think it is pretty clearly the still the best deck in format. And I don't think that's going to change until rotation, probably. I don't know. Yeah, Intellion is just so good. <laughs> the fact that Irida, like, you just have access to... I mean, I know it's a huge meme now, but like <laughs> with Irida and the Intellion Engine, you can do literally anything. It feels like you just get so much set up. You have access to everything, whatever. I mean, there's really never been an engine like this in the Pokemon TCG where it's like just by playing your cards normally, you can have access to your entire 60 card deck. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so I think one of the biggest surprises for both of us, I think, at Peoria was how popular Kiram was. And there was two in top four to its credit. And now that is that definitely is a could have been a product of its popularity, right? Because that just kind of is if the if the tournament is 50% of a deck, the chance for that deck to win or top eight is much higher because the chance for someone to run ridiculously hot is that much higher, right? So you but the deck seems still like it's pretty solid. It's been doing still pretty well in online tournaments. I don't think it'll be the most popular deck again, but what do you think, Chip? You think it's going to reign supreme again as the number one most, the one number one most played deck in I, Salt Lake? I think people just really like this deck, and it really like the 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 ceiling for like what you can do with this deck is really high. You can uh, not the skill ceiling, I should say, but like the like damage output, like you can KO anything and it has its problems roxanne plus path is pretty bad for the deck uh so having a tough matchup to the best deck in the format in the the palkia intellion is not a great prospect i would say but um i mean you've got the answers for everything you've got the wash energy so that you can't get star requiemed by giratina and also you can't have damage placed on you by sableye um you have a high amount of hp um, the Reggie Gigas matchup is probably the one issue for it right now is like, I mean, that's a, a pretty tough matchup. Maybe you can find a way to tech for that. I mean, I don't know if it's hard to slot something like Avery into this deck because you need to play Melanie pretty much every single turn, it feels like, or Irida. Um, yeah, I mean, you do have the Empoleon still and a pretty high right. stadium count. So you have like outs to path. Like Empoleon's always going to be a trouble for Reggie no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some people like starting to include Cheryl. I've seen Cheryl a couple times now, which uh, would be good against Reggie's, but is also like 
I'll just like another of those cards that the deck can just kind of play and like turn around, especially the Sablezard matchup. Yeah, Yoshi, who got top four, did play the Reggie, yep. uh, the, the Cheryl. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think I, I, I don't I I'm not expecting it to be the most popular deck, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was again, to be honest, uh, just because I think yeah. people really like it and it, it is solid. And it's definitely, if you're trying to play something of the new format, it's much more affordable than Giratina. Uh, you just pretty much can take your Palkia deck, take out the Intellians. You've probably got a Luminian V and an Empoleon V in your bulk from several sets ago. Uh, and then you <laughs> just get six new cards pretty much, and you're good to go. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll probably be in, like, what, the top four again, at the very least. Like, I don't I guess, it's like, with how popular it was at Peoria, I can't see it leaving the top four. Um, and Appy are actually like the top four besides Kieran, we're all pretty close. It was like 130, 116, 100. So it'll be in the, the 100 range, I think, for sure. Can you check the, the registration numbers for Salt Lake while we're sitting here talking? Yeah, See what it's it. at. I know it was like at 900 plus, but but yeah, I would not su be surprised to see Kieran be the most played deck again. And uh, while you're looking it up, we can also just talk about the, another VMAX deck. Uh, Mew VMAX did pretty decently in... Peoria had no top eight finishes, uh, but Riley was on a couple win and ends, lost two win and ends in a row, which is definitely a big bummer for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mew was pretty solid and Mew was also pretty well respected. There was plenty of people running around with Drapions in their deck. <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess the discussion here shouldn't only be about how popular would you expect Mew to be, but how popular do you expect counters to be? Like are, are Drapions still going to be in decks? Should, should Palkia be playing a Drapion like Cal was? Um, would, should the Lost Box decks be playing a Drapion? Kind of where do you feel like, in your opinion, these things fall? Um, so, and so for Salt Lake, I did look it up. We got 975. Okay. Um, which, uh, this is like one of the harder regionals to get to besides like, it, like, I don't know, everyone talks about Salt Lake as being one of the most expensive regionals. Um, Anywhere from the East the West... Coast is very expensive to fly to Salt Lake. Yeah. But is it like, is the West Coast more expensive? Because I don't hear people talk about how hard it is to get to the California regionals, but everyone mentions Salt Lake being like like a really expensive regional to get to. We've broken the numbers for last year's Salt Lake or last season's. It's still this year. Um, Salt Lake City Regional. Uh, two Salt Lake City Regionals in the same year. What the heck? <laughs> uh, but yeah, 975. So we broke that number. More people. It was uh, like right? 600 and 600 something. I can find it. Yeah. Right on the list. Um, but yeah, I just, I just like, this is like one of the harder ones people, because I'm trying to like think about like projected numbers for future regionals. If this is one of the hardest ones to get to, We've already surpassed its numbers. Six twenty-seven you know, last season in the same year. Yeah, so we have three hundred more people showing up to this theoretically. Um, what what are the, is every regional besides maybe the West Coast regional is going to have like a thousand plus players? I don't know. Sick. I mean, I think there's just a lot of people very interested in playing Pokemon right now, which is super cool to see. I think rotation, a lot more people will be interested, and then also like as League Cups and League Challenges come back. That's just going to get more eyes on competitive Pokemon, like people who are playing in, you know, their local areas, League Cups and League Challenges. They're going to find out, oh, there's a regionals two hours away in a couple months. I'm going to start preparing for that, you know, uh, people who like wouldn't have any idea of it otherwise. So I think there's definitely a great opportunity for there to be big growth in the game this season. I just hope that it can be maintained by having enough event space, especially once VG comes back. I'm very worried about what's going to happen when VG comes back because <laughs> uh, they're going to be 500 people at those regionals. And I mean, imagine if you tried to in Peoria cram 500 more people in that room, it would have been pretty or Baltimore. tight. Yeah. Or Baltimore. Yeah. 
Baltimore would have been terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we're not going to lose. Like, of course, I want the VG players to get their seats as well, but hopefully we don't lose seats for TCG as Just well. Just like we want to have. Man. Yeah, that's what we want. Big enough for everyone. Hopefully it can happen. Um, but yeah, that is definitely a thought for sure. Is like what's going to happen with that. But yeah, Mu V Max. Yes. Um, this is one of the weird. This is like where it's almost like Giratina promo. We're like reliving Giratina promo. Not quite as hard of a as hard of a counter as Giratina promo was to uh, Ninja Break, but. Because uh, a lot of the Mew players seem to be like understand Drapion was probably going to be played to some extent. I think it was maybe played more than most people expected. Because um, even the Mew players were playing Drapion. Yeah. Uh, so everyone came prepared to beat it. Everyone had their Roxanne path in their Mew list to be able to have like a com- aggressive comeback play against people who were rocking the Drapion. So um, I, it's one of those things where I don't think anyone's going to uh, like, you know, play chicken here. Like, I think the Drapions are going to show up again and. It's not going to be, it's not really a game of chicken of, oh, should I play Mew? Because they're going to cut their Drapions. And even past that, I don't think Mew is that good of a play, even when the Drapions don't show up. Because they like, and if they do show up, you're just kind of screwed. So you're kind of screwed when they show up. You're not actually in that good of a spot when they don't show up. So I feel like, thankfully, to be honest, like I'm, I'm down for this. I feel like Mew is not in that good of a spot right now. And of course, that might change before it gets rotated. Um, but uh, you know, I'm 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 fine with that. If not being a great play right now, and I feel like yeah, I feel like no one's gonna really be cutting their Drapions. So yeah. and we saw yeah, we saw it was super successful at Peoria, right? It was in the Kiram, one of the Kirums in the top four, and then yeah, uh, Cal played it as well in the uh, in the Palkia, which was uh, that's pretty devastating for me to deal with, like a, a Drapion in the Palkia deck. So if you don't think Mew is a great play, do you still think people should respect it and bring the Drapions? Like, how badly do you think? For example, BDIF Palkia. How badly does someone need to play Drapion in their Palkia deck? So Palkia, I'm not a huge fan of it in probably for Salt Lake City because I think the the play of Mew will drop. But I think I would probably play it if I played something like Kiram. Um, I'd probably rock it in something. I, mean, like I still a think Kiram Mew's going to definitely be a top five most popular. Deck, yeah, like yeah, easily. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it will be in the top five most played decks. I think we won't see. You know, like there was. You know. Riley, Mahone, that whole crew. I don't think we're going to see a crew like that roll up with Mew, though, and kind of boost its success. You know, it's a bunch of great players yeah. bringing a good deck. That's going to influence the results, right, of, of any deck, right? So I don't think we're going to see something like that happen. Um, so it'll be just because of something like that, not a group like that not playing the deck, that will make it less demanding to play. If your goal is to, you know, play swell, top 32, top 16, break, try and break into a top eight, less necessary to bring in Drapion, um, for sure, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing is, it like works so well in the Palkia deck too, because you can like keep calling turn one, bench no Palkias, don't bench a Drapion, and then they attack, and then you just go Drapion, bench a Palkia, and the game is basically over against me. So it's so clean in Palkia and Teleon. Um, so if you're really just trying to lock up that matchup, I would say go for it. Like, yeah, I, th- I still think me will be in the top, yeah, four to five most popular decks. It'll be probably in the hundred range, right? It'll be around a hundred, probably. I wonder if still, Cal ever success like, won't be there. I wonder if Cal or I guess anyone in cut who had Drapion plus Choice Belt in their deck. I wonder if any of them knocked out a Palkia V with Drapion through the weekend. <laughs> you know? I doubt. I mean, that's actually not that hard. No, I you guess, just if need you're... if they have three solvers in play, you need one Energy Choice Belt on turn two. Yeah. Double cross switcher, or even if it's just the active. Yeah. Is there any other decks you can do that against? 
Anything. Another reason to go to 70 HP Sobbles. They're not Rapid Strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do think that 60 HP Sobbles are the play. I mean, Tord didn't play Echoing Horn in his list. Um, I did talk to him a little bit backstage after he won when he was, like, getting his stuff and, like, congratulated him and stuff. He did talk about how he wished he had an Echoing Horn, like, most of the weekend. So uh, there, he said there was, like, a couple times where he was like, if I just played Echoing Horn, I would win the game right here. Uh, but he didn't have it. So, um uh yeah i mean if if people are copying towards lists though and not playing echoing horn i i think there's pretty much no reason not to just stick to in palkia specifically 60 hp sobbles i think if you wanted to play like an arceus intellian deck or maybe some other intellian engine deck you could go with the 70 hp ones but yeah well chip just leaked add the horn <laughs> add the horn chip is leaked you gotta add the horn apparently that's the play of course tor did still win the event but had yes. to come from the the six two one bracket so that's like the long haul any loss after that point you know, would have been bad. Had the horn maybe coming at 711, 801, who knows, right? So yep. the horn could be, could have been the difference maker to make it a little bit easier of a run for Tord. So, yeah, it sounds like you should add the horn. <laughs> I mean, the horn's so good in the deck. Like, I mean, you can't go wrong with it, I feel like. It's, yeah. so, it's such a powerful tool. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? I forgot. Go ahead. <laughs> well, moving on to the I next had a deck. <laughs> yeah. I had a thought. Uh, we were talking about, like, the Sobble HP and palkia and stuff but oh well, yeah palkia is still really good bdif uh mew that's okay. what your thought I, was <laughs> yeah, mew doesn't seem like a great play uh and then like i would i, I drapion i would maybe play in palkia but i think i'd play it in anything else like the kiram's and if i played mew i'd probably also just bring the drapion so the matchup isn't such a coin flip as well so drapion still seems good according to yeah. azul um yeah. okay no, uh, no, the kind of surprise in topic Eight, I would say, definitely the Hisuian Zoark V Star. Um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty popular as well. Like for a deck that I don't think many people expected. There's one in top eight, one in top sixteen, and there was a, quite a few other ones in day two. Where do you think Zoark stands? Should people play it? Should they stay away from it? Should people worry about the matchup? Is there anything you can even do to tech for the matchup? Um, and also, should Zoark players put Dunsparce in their deck <laughs> to prep for Regigigas? Um, so Zoark, I think, is... This is what I said since it came out. I think it is literally... If the if the format was just two-prize Pokemon, I think Zoark might be the best deck in format. But when you have to deal with the Regis and the Lost Gates and the Lost Boxes, um, it definitely comes down quite a bit. And I feel like the only way Zoark can consistently stand up to the... Uh, you know, the decks like the Palkias and the Kiram's is being consistent, like ruthlessly consistent. Because I think you need to get that first turn, that that turn two, two prize, three prize knockout, whatever it might be. Like you need that, uh, you need that KO. And that's definitely what we saw from the, the top 16 list. It actually had like the Mew build and it had like a, it's just like straight consistency, right? Uh, the other build was a little bit more teched out for the Lost Box matchup. Um, probably they didn't utilize that too much because there was not that much Lost Box at Peoria, but it got them all the way to top eight. Um, so the deck can definitely get there, and I think we see that from Peoria. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I would have to. I haven't played enough with the deck more recently to like know if I feel like even at its max consistency, are you consistently beating the Kiram's, the Muse, the Palkia, and Teleons? Um, if you are, I think the deck is a good play, and I would just be like. Just hope to dodge the one prize stuff. You could put in the Dunsparce for the Reggie, I guess. I mean, I don't think Reggie's going to be a super popular deck. 
Um, but yeah, if you want to play something for that, and they also, I guess you're hoping to All dodge. Right, the no playing Reggie's pussy, again, right? everyone. He just leaked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be a super popular play, but yeah, you could, you could play the Dunsparce for the Reggie's. Um, and then you're going to have to take the L to like, like, I wouldn't like, I would not, I would tech this deck out very little. Cause I think it's strength is its consistency when you hit those two prize matchups. So yeah. Dunsparce, I think is okay, but I wouldn't like tech for mill tank or anything. Like, don't just, I don't have like double psychic energy or like some cheesy stuff to try and deal with blissy mill tank. Like take the L be consistent beat your two prize matchups um and then you know yeah maybe cheese out a win against a reggie if you play the dunsparce or something but um i think the deck yeah if you hit your right matchup is it basically like dodge the one prize decks the deck yeah i I do think like um there will probably be some decks running around with mill tanks here and there so it it would maybe scare me a little (laughs) bit to not have some sort of answer one of mill tanks to beat the gudra (laughs) the gudra i mean i dude i think like I mean, Miltank is very good against Gudra. It's very good against Zork, which while they're not two very popular decks, they are two decks that make up together a reasonable percentage, right? So if it's like a one card slot that's going to improve your matchup, um, you know, in a deck keep that in can, mind, can utilize it, obviously. But with Miltank against Gudra, you do have to be decking out second. Yes. Like if they are winning the deck out, you don't just win. You can't just put Miltank in play and be like, I've done it. Because eventually they can attack with the Gudra and then Miltank does zero damage. So unless you're setting up some Exodia behind your Miltank, they'll still win the game on deck out, right? And it's you're not going to be able to get a tie out of like uh, th- that game will finish. Like game one will always finish, especially because the Miltank deck that you're usually playing it in, in like the, the lost gates and the lost boxes. You don't. You play like what one, maybe two Marnie. So <laughs> you will deck out. So you have to make sure you're, you're decking out first. Open your VIP pass or whatever. Otherwise, you if you have to like dig with Colors to find the mill tank, it's a little bit sketchier, I think for sure. But uh, I do think Zoark is solid. I do like the the lists with the. I like the Sharon's Cares is uh, anti lost box stuff. I think that the big parasol is also okay um, for the anti lost box stuff. So yeah, I think Zoark is very okay um you know i was really high on the deck when it first got announced we've talked about it a few <laughs> times but um yeah it's 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 a, a, i think an okay play i don't think it'll be super popular probably like sixth seventh most played deck that range but there will be definitely people who bring it um and then we'll move on to the deck that you played azul last weekend in Reggie. peoria was the reggie's and <laughs> maybe the big question is should people respect the reggies because i think that is part of why reggie saw a lot of success and did end up getting played uh, pretty heavily is that people were not respecting it there was not very many tech cards people were not playing the jammers in their palkia decks they were not playing avery in their mu decks anymore um dunsparce was absent from arceus decks and a lot of zoark decks but is there reason for people to slot these cards back in um just kind of what are your thoughts i guess on that um i mean it's definitely a deck that i think is still solid for sure uh and it's kind of weird because because gift energy is currently not usable on ptcgo we haven't seen how like people react to oh reggie's kind of good right now how many people would actually play it because nobody's playing it because gift energy is so good for the deck and you can't use it on ptcgo so in these online tournaments no one's playing reggie because gift energy is broken right now right so we don't even know like what the general uh, player base even thinks about Reggie as a deck because we haven't been able to see it re- reflect in online tournaments, right? Like leading up to Peoria, no one was playing Reggie in online tournaments, had a terrible win rate, obviously showed that it's a contender at Peoria, but now we don't even know how people feel about that, right? So I think the deck is still very solid. Um, I would say Dunsparce and Zork and stuff like that, 
probably go for it. If you're still playing Arceus and Teleon for some reason, you should probably play a Dunsparce. I would say get a different deck first, but if you can't do that, probably want to play the Dunsparce. Uh, it was definitely very nice when I played up against Mew and they never played an Avery against me because everyone cut it, but I don't think that really changes the matchup too much, so I don't think I'm going to make my Mew deck worse when that's such a bad matchup to begin with. So um, it depends on the deck, but yeah, I think like stuff like Dunsparce should be a... If you're locked in on a, a Zorak deck um, and for some reason can't let go of Arceus and Teleon, yeah, play the Sparse for sure, but um, or play the Sparse if you want to tech for it. But yeah, it won't be, it's not going to be like a, you know, a top five deck. It'll be, you know, somewhere with Zorak and seven, eight popularity slot, right? Yeah, I, I do think that if I was playing Palkia at the tournament, I would probably play Jammer. Uh, it's a one card inclusion deck. that uh, I think that you have enough tricks in the deck to beat the matchup or at least make it like 50-50, slightly favored, 55-45, something like that, if you add in the Jammer. Um, you know, if and you... Jammer's just kind of good right now because of Air Balloons, to be honest, That's like in all these Lost Zone decks. Like, Jammer's good against those as well because they're not KOing that Palkia anytime soon. And as Palkia, there's a lot of really cute plays you can do to get around, um, like, to, to, to try to get back in the game versus Reggie's, like whenever you can Roxanne, if you on the turn, you play Roxanne, go cross switcher, the Reggie Drago and not hit into the gift energy, you know, leave the gift energy. So you don't give them extra, um, draw. So cross switcher plus Roxanne. I think if you can pull off that play, that's very strong, uh, and throw the jammer on there as well. It's just going to be solid. And yeah, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's just like a decent card right now. Like even in the mirror, you know, turning off choice belts to make your Palkia survive an extra turn, potentially very solid. Yeah, it's not a bad card. It's a big card that's become out of favor because it's not. I think it's always it was always per, people's card to cut after playing Palkia. They were like, Jammer was okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's always been my like first cut in Palkia as well from back for testing for like Milwaukee and NASC. It's like Jammer is like the okay card for sure. But if there's enough good matchups for it, and I, I think yeah, Reggie's Air Balloons are definitely reason to play it if you can find it. But like it's gonna be hard to fit the Jammer the canceling cologne for the Sablezard matchup. And then you also have to think about Drapion if you want to run the Drapion as well. You don't want to clunk up your deck too much. Yeah. Like, otherwise you're just losing to yourself at that point. So so then we get to the Arceus decks. And to be honest, it really feels like there's one that's really pushed itself to the forefront, and that is Arceus Gudra. is kind of yeah. the big deck that everyone is playing. People were talking about, obviously. It did pretty well in... Peoria was on the winning end, lost the winning end, or tied the winning end, I should say, to, to get out of top eight. Um, but it's done pretty well in online tournaments. A lot of people have been playing it. There's also still the Mirage Gate version of Gudra. So before we talk about all the other Arceus decks, um, which I guess there's not really that many, but before we talk about other Arceus decks, Arceus <laughs> Gudra is definitely quite different uh, of an approach to play the game, similar to how Arceus Draladon always was. Very different from the, the other Arceus decks um, yeah, how do you feel about it, Azul? Um, damage reduction, pretty good, it turns out. Yeah, and that was like my, my initial impressions about it as well. Um, but the more I've actually played the deck and seen it play, I actually think you just have a bad Palkia and Teleon matchup. Like, I think that matchup is actually just not that good. So besides that, you're good against most of the Lost Zone decks. Tina kind of comes down to if you find your Parasol and when do they find their Vacuum. Um because uh, like scape rope is actually really good in that matchup as like really bad for gudra as well because you like if you bench another two prize pokemon they just escape rope it up and knock it out right so it's like you not bench something but then you get turn you get one ko'd by giratina's you know v-star attack so um yeah i was like a big fan of it initially but the more i played more of the heavy hitting matchups also the mew matchup is unfavorable as well so <laughs> the more i played more of the heavy hitting matchups the less and less of a fan i become of gudra 
it's just I think it's just Arceus Duraldon over all over again. Like if anyone has listened to me rant about Arceus Duraldon before, I just don't think Arceus Duraldon is a very good deck. Uh, I think Gudra is just Arceus Duraldon 2.0. It's cooler, <laughs> a little bit better, stickier. But it's, it's stickier, <laughs> <laughs> but it's over. It's just not that good. Like it looks like it should be good, and like like you, the theorizing of the matchups. But when you actually play the deck. Uh, the, the matchups just don't break down well enough. I feel like overall, so yeah, not a. I'm not a big unless unless like the the format fully flips or the meta fully flips to like lost zone one prize decks. That's where I think it could shine. Um, and or if you come up with some other cute ways to deal with some of these heavier hitter heavy, heavier hitting decks, I guess as well. But yeah, like Kiram as well, right? Your 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 KO they can do that once, maybe twice, and just want to KO your Gudra. So it just kind of struggles against the heavy hitters. There's too many of them. So we've talked about um how palkia is kind of the dominant deck of the format it feels like you know the obvious best deck yeah. tier one the deck that you want to be prepared against or whatever if you're going into the tournament um so why is it that the deck that people went to to counter palkia when it was the most played deck arceus flying pikachu right you won an aic with it it won the world championships why is it now that arceus flying pikachu does not make sense as a good play is uh yeah, so I mentioned like a little bit earlier, it's just the meta's too open. Like, and like I said, maybe it's, and it's like a lot of things that feels weird because it feels weird. It feels like the meta maybe should be, and maybe it's where we'll get to, not by Salt Lake City, I don't think, but maybe by Lily uh, or Leal or Warsaw. Is it Warsaw? It's Warsaw, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe by those tournaments, maybe we'll get back to the 30% Palkia and Teleon meta because unless someone comes up with like a new broken deck that has to be respected um but it feels like it's almost like just kind of uh uh an ignorance or just unwilling to want to believe that paul cantelion is still a bdif which is leading to more people playing decks that they think are a better play and then leading to a situation where you can't actually counter paul cantelion because the meta is too wide open right um so that's my feelings about the meta currently anyways like i think paul cantelion just is the BDIF. I don't think as many people are playing it as it they should because it is the BIF, which leads to it being impossible to counter it because the meta is too wide open. Like you can't play Arceus Flying Pikachu. There's too many bad matchups right now. Too many things you have to account for. Um, and you can't account for all of them and then still be a consistent deck that takes down Palkia and Teleon. Um, yeah. So it's like becomes like an unplayable, unplayable deck in that sense. So what it seems like a lot of people have done that have played Arceus Pikachu in online events is that the the partner has become Arceus Pikachu plus Giratina, right? To yeah. so where it's like it's not a thing that is good for a specific matchup. It's just a thing that is good, right? It's just yeah. a Pokemon that has a lot of HP, does a lot of damage. Um, if you wanted to play Arceus Flying Pikachu, is that probably the best answer? Um, you know, I think something that was a little talked about leading into the event and some people did play, uh, I think Eric Smith was in day two with Arceus Flying Pikachu with Espeon VMAX as like an answer to the lost box. Like, is there any merit to a strategy like that? Also, Riley Wren was in day two with Arceus Flying Pikachu with double Drapion for the Mew matchup. They got 33rd place. Um, I think Eric was also top. He Like, they were also in the top 64 or something like that. So, yeah, um, I don't know anything, any merit to anything like that. I think they're all cute answers, but they don't answer enough of the format. And like I said, like I feel like flying Pikachu up against Paul Kid was already it was favorable, but a lot of that was on how consistent the deck was with like the build that I brought, or if you look at the build that Andre brought. So as soon as you add stuff like the Espeon, the Giratina, any of this other stuff that like starts to hurt your consistency, which I feel like hurts the matchup a lot. Like the overwhelming power of the deck in the matchup through its consistency is what I feel like really gave you the edge. 
um, and kept you ahead in the matchup. Like otherwise, Falcon it just starts 10. to feel like a clunky mess. <laughs> yeah, and then once you start to like, once you start whiffing. When you're relying on Palkia, like whiffing one of the three games or a little bit in another game, then all of a sudden it gets evened up and it gets closer to 50-50 or even starts to become, become favored for Palkia and Teleon at that point. So, yeah. uh, and then and then you're also like, you're not just beating everything else as Arceus Flying Pikachu as well with these techs. Like the, the Espeon's cool, but now Sables are just playing four path. Can Espeon still be good? I don't know. Arceus, Giratina, like just without the Flying Pikachu, I think when you add both of them, it's, it's just a bad deck. But if you do it with just the Giratina, I think that might become the new best way to actually play uh, Arceus. Arceus. I think there was two of them. Uh, it was actually a pretty popular deck too. Yeah, Arceus, B-Barrel, Giratina. Like, it's the new best way to play Giratina. There was a couple in day two, and it was like in the top 10 most popular decks. That's it like was. A pretty it was, big it number. was the like six, seven. seven, right? Yeah, yeah, seven. I was actually surprised when I saw that number. But um, um, yeah, there's a couple in day two who made day two at Peoria. And yeah, th- I think that might be the new best way to play Arceus... Uh, Arceus uh, B-Barrel is just to have it with Giratina. It can do some cool stuff in there. Like Arceus can handle a lot of the Lost Zone boxes by itself. And then you have the backup of the Giratina to kind of deal with any of the heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, your Palkia matchup is is worse though, for sure. So, but when you tech it out, you when you tech out just the Flying Pikachu build, your Arceus, your Palkia matchup maybe is better, but everything, all your other matchups suffer, which makes it just kind of like a deck that can't stand up in the format, I feel like. Yeah, I'm looking at Craig Eoff's list here, uh, which I haven't actually taken any time to look at this yet, but this seems uh, pretty solid. Just 4-2 Arceus V-Star. Probably would play 4-3, three, th- three, but uh, then 2-2 two, two Giratina, and it also has, like, the Radiant Halucha in here, so Giratina can one-hit KO Mew V-Max and uh, Kyurem V-Max, right? So, oh, wait, no. Spell. You can get to, he's got Choice Spell yeah, in there as well, yeah, so you can get to the yes, Kyurem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like a more aggressive build of the Arceus B-Barrel. And it has the Goon in there as well, so you can do the turn two Arceus V-Star 220 yeah. that everyone hates having happen to them. So yeah, like It's something always like been that, one of my favorite the... things to do with Arceus is just like 220 turn two because it's like <laughs> so easy to find it because you've got Crobat to dig for it, you've got B-Barrel to dig. Uh, and it's just Starburst so when you it pull it off, you just get so far ahead as well in those matchups. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Uh, is yeah, you get really... Especially when you have a backup attacker like Giratina and you're in like yeah. a two-prize trade-off, like you're looking pretty good from there for sure. Yeah. So I think that is like the best way to play the Arceus B-Barrel deck from now on. I think like you just need something more versatile than what P- flying Pikachu was when you don't have a couple simple tech cards that you can do to clean up your other matchups. It's like kind of like a, a big overhaul of the deck to try and make it work in the meta, which just makes it a bad deck. But this is the Tina way is, is the way I think. And then lastly, we'll talk about others. So the other three decks that made day two in Peoria, if we feel like they've got any legs heading into Salt Lake City, and those are Blissey, Dialga, and Shadow Rider. Now, there's only one each of the Dialga and the Shadow Rider. Oh, my monitor just cut off. Okay, there we go. (laughs) One each of the Dialga and the Shadow Rider in day two, but a decent amount of Blissey. And Blissey has been seeing a bit more play in online tournaments. And I honestly think in large part it's due to playing three Mill Tank and Mill Tank being pretty solid against a handful of decks. Yeah, a couple of reasons. Yeah, I think Blissey in general is just the healing. There's no yeah. real deck that heals as consistently as Blissey does, which is really good against any of the, the Lost Gate or the Sablezard deck. Um, and then, yeah, Mill Tank's pretty good as well. Mill Tank's pretty good. And then Marnie Path. It's got Marnie Path, it's got Mill Tank. It heals. Uh, yeah, overall, I think I think Blissey's actually pretty good. I'm actually kind of a, a, a Blissey fan for sure. Definitely definitely a fan of Blissey. I think it just has... It's just got a good master spread for what's going on in the in the format right now. Um, it can kind of handle most things. And it's got a decent um, 
close, but I'd say slightly favorable up against the Paul Cantelion. So you can't go can't go wrong with that. And as far as Dialga and Shatterrider, I think my thoughts on those two decks would just be like they're like very okay. Uh, and like you could play them and make day two and maybe, 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 maybe squeak into top eight. But I think there's just better and more consistent decks to choose if you're really someone who's like trying to compete to make top eight. Now, if you're a big fan of Dialga, Shadow Rider, like decks like this, I do think that they're like fine. Um, and you could still like have reasonable success at the tournament if you chose to play them. As we see in Peoria, there was one of each of those in, in day two. Yeah, I feel like Shadow Riders work in... There's some cute things you can do with the Shadow Rider, because this one, I think it had the Espeon in there as well, right? Yeah. You got the Espeon, which I feel like is like more so of a uh, of an annoyance for Giratina than it is for... Um, uh, than it is for the Lost Box, to be yeah. honest, especially now that they have the path. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then you have stuff. Like if you go up against Mew, you've got that Shadow Mist, uh, and they do play a fan of Waves, so you can like shadow like even if you goes first yeah, yeah, yeah even if you goes first and they attach an energy you can go like all right turn one calyrex hopefully open it shadow miss and they go knock it out and then you go starbirth attach get the fan of waves off the starburst fan of waves shadow miss and then the game's just over yeah um so you can get really cheesy uh, i think i would also <laughs> play collapsed stadium as well in uh shadow rider if you, you wanted to reggie yeah so you just auto win <laughs> yeah. reggie as well i mean and also it's like a good card in the deck you can heal your v max and like just discard it from play or you're gonna use yeah. luminion or crobat to set up just get them out of play like i think collapse stadium is just good and against reggie's you just go attach collapse stadium the game is over <laughs> yeah I mean, let's there's say, literally they'll... nothing they can do <laughs> yeah you, if they have a setup reggie even you could just once again fan of waves remove that energy from the reggie and that reggie can't attack anymore anyways yeah, so you could get maybe there's two skater parks in here. You could probably cut one of those for a collapse stadium. Yeah, skate parks auto like win very Reggie. meh. I feel like in that deck, skater's park. Yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah. So there's a lot of cute things you can do, but once again, I feel like it just gets. You just get, I don't think this deck is beating Palkia like yeah. ever. Yeah, <laughs> I do not think this deck is ever beating. Yeah, Palkia, and Andrew, so. who made day two, got destroyed by his brother Zach on stream playing uh kiram and like it just kiram just does too much too quickly and shadow rider yeah. needs time to get energies in play so yeah you have like you have uh yeah the sustained damage in the late game but you don't get to the late game before it's already over so yeah yeah that's yeah. A it's cool it's a cool deck got some cool matchups but once again the mat the meta is so wide these cool decks can't thrive because the meta is just so wide right which was once again kind of like the almost like annoyance of the meta being so wide but so unruly because everything is just mediocre yeah right like everything is mediocre so nothing's good nothing's bad but you can't like hard counter the meta you can't even try and counter, counter the meta with anything cool and then last thing we'll talk about is there any older deck that you think has a chance to make a comeback anything like i mean one that comes to my mind almost always is like rapid strike urshifu especially with mirage gate i know people have been trying that out a little bit um leafy on vmax i've seen some people talking about on twitter you know mew is very low in play now you also could play drapion as an answer if you wanted to uh you know is there room for anything like that or something else that like used to be a pretty played deck that's not played anymore jolteon vmax anything like that oh not that i can think of i i'm sure people are going to try and force their um arc intel that's like the one that always comes up from me. i'm sure there's going to be people out there who force arc intel but yeah, there's nothing that I can really uh, think of that seems like it has a chance to make a comeback. Because once again, the meta is so wide, um, you got to be playing it. I guess Blissey's kind of making its comeback, right? Like Blissey has made its comeback. Blissey's here. Sure. Looks like it's probably here to stay. But I think it does have, like I said, it's got a pretty good matchup spread. 
there's no reason for it to leave the meta because the meta probably won't get narrow enough to kind of push Blissey out where it's like, oh, you can't compete with the top two decks anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe something like a Blissey could make a rise again, but I can't think, I can't, I couldn't come up with anything to be honest. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks to everyone for tuning in as always. And if you did enjoy, please do us a favor, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It only takes a second and it does so much to help us and help more people find the podcast. Also, please feel free to check out the YouTube channel. And if you are watching here on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, leave a like, all that good YouTube stuff. One more time as we're closing the episode out, we want to, um, you know, just throw our thoughts towards Tiger Hickman, Mark Lafferty, and Drake Lemansky, and would encourage anyone who has the means, please try to support these guys, and uh, let's just show them the tight-knit community that the Pokemon community can be, and show your support uh, if you are able to do so. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check us out as well on social media. Best way to interact is on Twitter. You can follow myself at Trainer Chip Ritchie. Azul is at underscore, wow, at Azul underscore GG. <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast is at Uncommon underscore Energy. Azul, anything else to add? No, appreciate the support. As always, we'll catch you guys next week, next Tuesday, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. Uh, good luck if you're headed to Salt Lake City. Uh, peace. <laughs>